1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500.
2: Breaking news tonight. The new warning from the CDC director with America Divided. TODAY, TWO KINDS OF PROTESTS, ONE TO OPEN THE COUNTRY AND ANOTHER FOR BETTER PROTECTION FOR FRONTLINE MEDICAL WORKERS. AS SOUTHERN STATES BEGIN TO REOPEN, THE DEBATE RAGING ACROSS AMERICA THAT PITS THE HEALTH OF AMERICANS AGAINST THE HEALTH OF THE ECONOMY.
3: I DON'T WANT TO PASS IT
2: TO ANYBODY ELSE, YET I, A SINGLE MOM, I HAVE TO PAY MY BILLS. OIL PRICES STILL PLUNGING, GAS IS CHEAP BUT THERE IS NOWHERE TO GO. AS AMERICANS STAND IN FOOD LINES, THE BIG COMPANY THAT JUST ANNOUNCED BIG LAYOFFS. BILLIONS MORE IN AID, CONGRESS REACHES A DEAL TO GIVE NEARLY $500 BILLION TO SMALL BUSINESSES, HOSPITALS, AND TO FUND MORE TESTING. BUT IS IT ENOUGH? AND WHAT WE'RE LEARNING TONIGHT ABOUT THE DRUG TOUTED BY THE PRESIDENT AS A MIRACLE TREATMENT disease detectives we go inside the country's most extensive effort to trace the virus more than a thousand people tracking down those who may have been infected why the mission in massachusetts could lead the way for other states north korean mystery reports that dictator kim jong-un is gravely ill the new details and the big concern what happens to the country's 30 to 40 nuclear weapons and we'll end tonight with the story of a firefighter who is now trying to spark joy with music.
1: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell,
0: reporting from the nation's capital.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with that breaking news because the director of the CDC says tonight that the next wave of coronavirus expected this winter could be even more difficult for the U.S. than the current crisis. And that's because it could hit at the same time as the seasonal flu, putting an even bigger strain on hospitals already near a breaking point. Also tonight, the Senate signed off on a nearly half a trillion dollars in new funding, some of it to help those struggling hospitals. Most of the money will replenish a loan program for small businesses that ran dry last week. And there's about $25 billion that will pay for coronavirus tests, which governors say they desperately need before they can lift their stay-at-home orders. Now, protesters rallied across the country again today, demanding an end to those orders. And some governors, especially in the South, are already lifting them, despite warnings from experts, and even as cases and deaths continue to rise. Now, tonight, more than 820,000 infections have been confirmed right here in the U.S., and the death toll has passed. There's a lot of news to get to tonight. Our team has it all covered. Mark Strassman is going to lead us off tonight in Atlanta, where businesses could soon be opened. Mark.
4: After three weeks, Nora, some of the stores behind me could reopen on Friday. But is it smart? Is it safe? And will customers show up? All unclear as the South leads the charge to have that choice.
1: Open America now!
4: Revolt in Raleigh today. Protesters demanded North Carolina reopen for business, as COVID-19 deaths statewide jumped almost 20 percent overnight. They want what Georgia already gave Lindsey Nash, permission to reopen her hair salon this Friday.
3: I don't want to pass it to anybody else, yet a single mom. I have to pay my bills.
4: Nash says customers will have to social distance, and stylists will wear masks.
3: Every time someone gets up from a shampoo bowl, you wipe it back down again, you spray it with disinfectant. So we're constantly doing that.
4: It's a gamble. New COVID-19 cases in this rural county almost doubled over the last week. But Georgia has also bled jobs, 700,000 of them in the last four weeks. We will get Georgians back to work safely. By executive order, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp will reopen gyms, tattoo parlors, and bowling alleys, among others. Five Southern states have started lifting restrictions. Social distancing stays. Some businesses in Tennessee and Texas can open Monday. Mississippi lifted some restrictions yesterday. And South Carolina reopened beaches and department stores today. (laughs) Impatience grows and governors feel it. Doing it wrong could create more hardship for everyone in the long run. Boston is surging, up 34% in new COVID-19 cases, 123% in deaths in the last week. New Jersey added 379 deaths, its single-day record. New York is still the epicenter. Cemeteries like this one on Staten Island race to dig more graves. But new hospitalizations dropped for the eighth straight day. It got brutal here today. Still, at Mount Sinai Hospital, Chaplain Rocky Walker is running on fumes. In the military, we call this battle fatigue, combat fatigue, and it's real. It's a tough crisis to balance. This Iowa pork plant reopened. Dozens of workers have tested positive. But hundreds of Amazon employees began a sick out. They feel unsafe. Back in Atlanta, Elsie Brotherton could reopen her three yoga studios this Friday, but she won't.
3: If there's no testing and we just kind of reopen everything, it seems like there's a 100% chance that we're gonna have another spike in cases, right? And then we'll have to close again.
4: Here in Atlanta, the mayor says the governor never consulted her before issuing his executive order. She disagrees with it and is recommending that businesses stay closed and people stay home. Nora.
2: All right, Mark. Thank you. Tonight, Congress is on its way to approving nearly half a trillion dollars in new aid. The Senate voted to boost that Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses and give billions to hospitals. The bill also requires the administration release a nationwide testing strategy, and it provides crucial funding to that effort. Paula Reid is at the White House with more on that. Paula?
3: Nora, tonight the president said he will ask big businesses to give back the money that they received from an economic relief fund that was meant to help small businesses that are currently struggling. And this move comes as the federal government continues to face backlash over its response to coronavirus. Patrick Kane, Flint, Michigan. THE NAMES AND FACES OF FALLEN HOSPITAL STAFF. NURSES IN FRONT OF THE WHITE HOUSE THIS MORNING DEMANDED MORE PROTECTIVE EQUIPMENT FOR FRONTLINE HEALTH CARE WORKERS. NURSES ARE GETTING SICK AND NURSES ARE DYING. AND THE ADMINISTRATION AND CONGRESS HAS FAILED. PRESIDENT TRUMP HAS CONSISTENTLY CLAIMED THERE IS NO SHORTAGE OF MEDICAL SUPPLIES OR CORONAVIRUS TESTS. But
4: well, WE HAVE TREMENDOUS TESTING tremendous testing capability.
3: But that's been disputed by many governors, including New York's Andrew Cuomo, who met privately with the president this afternoon at the White House. State leaders argue a national testing strategy must be in place before they can reopen.
5: We know we need to significantly increase our testing capacity by at least roughly double, uh, if not more, to know we have what we will need to trap and contain future outbreaks.
3: And news today on the drug combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, touted by the president as a possible breakthrough.
0: If that happened, it would be a game changer.
3: A panel of experts convened by the institute run by the president's top health advisor, Anthony Fauci, warned against using it because of potential toxicities. With jobless claims expected to grow by the millions this week, Congress is close to passing nearly $500 billion in additional economic relief.
5: The hard work of bipartisan negotiation paid off.
3: But small business owners desperate for help, like Louisville restaurateur Barry Washington, who failed to get a loan before the funding ran out last week, said he's likely out of luck for a second time.
0: And then once we tried again, they said it would be too late because as soon as uh, this money hits the bank, it's going to be all gone.
2: And Paula joins us from the White House with some new information because as the president is briefing tonight, there's a new announcement he's making about immigration. Paula?
3: Nor the president announced that he will suspend immigration into the U.S. for 60 days. But this will only apply to people seeking permanent residency. Now, this is a move that will likely appeal to his base. But the immigration process has effectively been shut down for the past month after key offices closed because of coronavirus. The president said this order is still being written, but he expects to sign it tomorrow.
2: All right, Paula, with that new information tonight, thank you. Wall Street skidded again on oil today. The Dow, S&P 500 and Nasdaq all took major hits as a global glut in oil supply and low demand for fuel sent stock prices plummeting. Millions of people under lockdown are not driving to work and they're not flying. Janet Chimley now on the spiraling financial fallout.
6: As oil prices crashed, The pain was sharpest in West Texas.
0: I've never seen anything shut off so quickly. Uh, You know, it's, you literally wake up Monday morning and the industry is shutting down.
6: Midland and the Permian Basin are responsible for a third of U.S. oil production. It's gone from boom to bust. A restaurant is now a food pantry. And thousands, like oil field worker Chris Dokey, have been laid off.
0: It's pretty devastating. I have four kids here at home, um, all real young ages, and um, I'm the sole breadwinner of the house.
6: That's a heavy burden. Four children under the age of seven.
0: It is something that weighs on me and um, just got to keep the faith that, you know, something's going to pan out.
6: With planes parked and roads empty, there's a glut of oil. Gas is cheap, but there's nowhere to go. The plummeting oil prices reflect the nation's economic freefall. Unemployment is nearing an historic 18 percent. An estimated 22 million people have lost their jobs the past month. Hertz among the latest to announce layoffs. Almost 10,000 people, a third of its U.S. workforce. Thank you. The depth of need is staggering. The Los Angeles school system is serving more than 500,000 meals a day. And in New York, at two separate food banks. Long lines so and expressions of gratitude.
5: It releases a lot of stress because you don't know where the food is coming and when your money's coming.
6: So many people in that same situation, and that's why this United Airlines cargo facility has been turned into a food distribution center. The people you see all around me, they are pilots, flight attendants, ramp workers, agents, volunteers all. While they're grounded, they're partnering with the Houston Food Bank to try to get meals to the people in this community who need them.
3: Nora.
2: United in the desire to help others. Thank you, Janet. Massachusetts has the third most cases of the coronavirus in the U.S., and the death toll there has nearly doubled in the past week. Tonight, the hotspot is the first state to launch a large-scale program to track down people who've been exposed to COVID-19. It's called contact tracing. And as Meg Oliver shows us, the state is
7: deploying an army of disease detectives.
4: I'm grabbing her from the elevator.
7: Dr. Dean Xeris took us inside this COVID hotel for the most vulnerable. Hola, Wendy. Wendy Rosales found out over the phone last week she was exposed to COVID-19. After testing positive, she's now quarantined for 14 days. What was it like when you got the phone call? Uh, um, the first thing that I thought I was gonna
6: die, I
7: was very afraid. The 35 year old wife and mother of two is from Chelsea, north of Boston, a densely populated immigrant area with the highest infection rate in the state. So you were exposed on Wednesday. Krista Cass is a contact tracer working from her Boston apartment.
3: Start thinking about what you were doing two days before. She
7: calls at least 20 people a day who recently tested positive for COVID-19 and then anyone they may have exposed.
3: There are some people that had no idea that you know two days ago they came into contact with somebody who is now positive.
7: Massachusetts has invested $44 million in disease detectives who will reach at least 120,000 close contacts, all of it critical to bending the curve.
6: This is good old-fashioned detective work. It is. It is.
7: Julia Mukherjee is the chief medical officer for the group leading the effort. Partners in Health have been using contact tracing for decades to fight outbreaks from Ebola to AIDS. This kind of approach also could create millions of jobs. Right? Put people to work fighting the epidemic. Make a public health corps. How hard is it to be away from your family?
6: <laughs> it's very hard.
7: Lloramos todos. We, we cry every day. You cry every day? But she's hopeful this will protect her loved ones. Meg Oliver, CBS News.
2: As hospitals in the epicenter of New York strained to handle the influx of patients, retired members of the military wanted to help. In our series, Profiles in Service, we meet a group of veterans answering the call and bringing their skills to a different kind of front line in a different kind of battle. Colonel Melissa Givens spent her career as an emergency room physician in the U.S. Army. I'm getting choked up thinking about this, but you served 20 years in the military and now you're retired, but you're still serving your country.
8: There's nothing I would rather do, and I'm with the people that I would choose to do it with for the rest of my life.
2: For Givens, it's about a life of service. In record time, she helped New York Presbyterian Hospital transform an indoor soccer stadium into a field hospital for COVID-19 patients. I'm a physician, I had skills I could offer. There was a critical need, over 200 beds, but how would they find doctors and nurses? Colonel Givens posted this on social media. And in 36 hours, over 800 veterans answered that call to serve. I'm actually
8: overwhelmed at the response of these veterans and their willingness to leave their homes and their families and put themselves at risk. But on the other hand, I'm not surprised at all. This is what veterans do.
2: They have a calling to serve. Veterans like former flight medic Ricky Ditzel Jr., who left the U.S. Army two weeks ago. Most people don't race to the epicenter of a pandemic. But you did. Why?
4: I saw the opportunity to continue to serve, and I figured that a a pandemic environment is very similar to an environment overseas.
2: The field hospital is named after Navy SEAL Ryan Larkin, who served four tours in Iraq and Afghanistan.
8: He was somebody who had a passion for serving and caring for patients, and we really wanted to
2: honor his name. Today, Colonel Givens serves as the hospital's medical director. And the head nurse and the hospital's chief operating officer are also women. It's felt good to
8: have this, I will almost call it a sisterhood, as we try and solve hard problems. What have you
2: learned while you're there in New York at that field hospital?
8: It's just been reinforced in me how good the human spirit is. If you put the call out, people will respond. They just
2: need to know how to help, and they're going to show up. That's why we love our veterans. Tonight, the world is seeking answers about the fate of Kim Jong Un. The North Korean dictator has not been seen in weeks. U.S. intelligence is trying to confirm reports that he is gravely ill, and there are concerns about North Korea's nuclear weapons stockpile. Here's Ramey Innocencio.
5: It was after this display of horsemanship that Kim Jong Un's heart condition reportedly worsened. According to a dissident website, the North Korean leader is receiving treatment after heart surgery. He was last seen publicly at a Politburo meeting on April 11th. While state media has portrayed Kim as strong and fearless at five foot seven and 300 pounds, the 36-year-old is obese and a heavy smoker. The White House is keeping a close eye.
4: We're watching the reports closely and uh, we'll have to see it.
5: It's a hinge point in history. North Korea expert Robert Carlin says if Kim died, his sister, 31-year-old Kim Yo-jong, would face challenges to succeed him.
1: I think it would make a lot of people uneasy, especially a young woman, completely untested.
5: Military leaders might also make a play, and ultimately for control of the North's estimated 30 to 40 nuclear weapons. Remy Innocencio, CBS News, Tokyo.
2: We wanted to end tonight with the story of a bagpipe playing firefighter who has decided to use his talent to give comfort to our healthcare heroes. His music is inspiring, bringing just a moment of peace to the nonstop fight on the front lines.
0: We will never forget COVID-19, but I can give them a few minutes of not having to think about it.
2: Firefighter James Mazzara is a first responder called to rescue spirits. He travels the D.C. area bagpipes in hand, offering an appreciation and a moment for those on the front lines to take a breath.
1: I watched one nurse just lay in the grass, and it just looked like she had five or ten minutes of relief.
0: They enjoy the music, and it's wonderful, but it really is therapeutic for me, too.
2: And. FOR ALL OF US. ON TOMORROW'S CBS EVENING NEWS, A PILOT'S LIFE-SAVING MISSION, FLYING much needed MEDICAL SUPPLIES TO RURAL HOSPITALS. AND DID I MENTION HE'S 16? IF YOU CAN'T WATCH US LIVE, DON'T FORGET TO SET YOUR DVR SO YOU CAN WATCH US LATER. THAT IS TONIGHT'S CBS EVENING NEWS. I'M Nora O'DONNELL IN WASHINGTON. WE'LL SEE YOU RIGHT BACK HERE TOMORROW. STAY SAFE AND GOOD NIGHT.
0: If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com.